0: I never want to be in a neighborhood where I'm shot at again. So for me, moving up social class just means having the privilege, benefits, and opportunities of a safe neighborhood.
1: From APM Reports, this is the Educate Podcast. I'm Emily Hanford, in for Stephen Smith. Today on the podcast, we're bringing you part two of a story we started last time. That episode was about whether colleges in America are promoting social mobility. In other words, whether colleges are helping children from poor families move up the income ladder. In that episode, I introduced you to Mario Martinez. Back in 2009, we released a documentary about Mario and other young Latino students who were the first in their families to go to college. They made a bet that higher education would help them move up. Today, we're going to find out if that was a good bet for Mario. But first, I want to take you back 10 years to tell you a bit about what was going on in Mario's life when I first met him. You want me to lock this back here? Uh, yeah, not yet, though. I gotta get it. Oh, sorry. I did it already. That's me getting out of a car with Mario back in 2008. I spent more than a year following him around. I interviewed him several times, went to classes with him, tagged along when he met with his advisor, met his two younger brothers. On this day, we were going to visit some of his friends from his church. Mario was 19 back in 2008. Church was a big part of his life. He and his friends were planning an event to promote Christianity to young people. His friends were in a band, and while they practiced some music they were going to play at the event, Mario read me a letter he'd written to local pastors to publicize it.
0: We can't lose another generation. With the help of our Lord, we have programmed an event on October 11, 2008, 6 p.m. to 10 p.m.
1: Religion was a new thing for Mario. He'd started going to church, looking for a way out of his troubled childhood. Mario grew up in a really rough neighborhood. Here's how he described it to me back in 2008.
0: We'd hear police every night. We'd hear uh, gunshots. We'd hear people scream. We'd see certain stuff in the neighborhood.
1: When he was 16, Mario ended up in jail for seven months. But he was never tried for anything. All the charges were dropped. While he was locked up, his father was killed in a car accident. Mario's mother used life insurance money to move her family out of their neighborhood and into a small house in a middle-class area in Silver Spring, Maryland.
0: We moved to a neighborhood here in Silver Spring, and it's quiet at night. It's to me, it was kind of creepy because I never slept in a quiet neighborhood, so I was I couldn't sleep the first couple of weeks, and um, now we got used to. it. We we're able to concentrate more, and it we feel the big difference. It does feel peaceful.
1: Mario told me he had no idea that neighborhoods like this existed, that other kids grew up without hearing gunshots at night. He says he'd never really thought about his future because, frankly. He didn't think he was going to have one. But now, in this peaceful suburban neighborhood, he started thinking, what's next? He was working for a contractor at the time, installing wood floors in fancy houses. And he began asking people at the houses where he worked how they got their careers. And they all told him he should go to college. No one in his family had been. His mom cleans houses for a living. His dad had worked construction. Mario ended up going where a lot of first-generation college students go, to his local community college. Take out a piece of paper. Let's try our hand at focused free writing in particular. When I met Mario in a writing class at Montgomery College in Maryland, it was his third day of classes. He still wasn't really sure why he was there, had no idea what he was interested in, no idea what kind of career he wanted. For him, being in college was kind of like visiting a foreign country. Here's how he described it to me back then.
0: I'm just walking around trying to catch things. Like, um, I'm on the learning mode right now, just see what I can learn. And, And then go from there.
1: The odds of someone like Mario making it through college aren't that good. More than half the students who start at community colleges don't finish. And if you're a Latino guy who grew up in a poor neighborhood, and you're the first in your family to go to college, the odds are even lower. When I last interviewed Mario in September of 2009, he had just failed a math class, and he told me he was leaving Montgomery College. But he said he had a plan. He was going to transfer to Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia. You might have heard of Liberty. It's a private, four-year Christian college founded by evangelical preacher Jerry Falwell. Tuition and fees, plus living expenses, are about $40,000 a year. Much more expensive than Montgomery College. But to Mario, Liberty seemed like a good fit. He developed an interest in psychology and Christian counseling, and Liberty offers a degree in that. Mario was taking some online classes through Liberty, testing it out, hoping to transfer soon. So what happened? How are you?
0: Uh, I'm good. Um, yeah. I'm good.
1: This is me and Mario a few months ago. <laughs> this is I've stayed a, in touch I, with him over the been years, been following him on Facebook, exchanging emails with him every once in a while. I even introduced him to my mom. I'll tell you more about that later. Even though we've stayed in touch, we hadn't sat down for an interview since 2009. But back in January, Mario agreed to meet me at Montgomery College. We borrowed an empty office in the student center. So you ready?
0: Um, yes. (laughs) Let's go for it.
1: All right. Mario looks pretty much the same way he did a decade ago. Same short, cropped, dark hair, glasses, big smile. He's got a goatee he didn't have back then and braces. He's 29 now. And I'm going to tell you the big news right away. Mario is in graduate school at the University of Maryland. He's working on a dual degree in business and social work.
0: My focus in social work has been uh, clinical behavioral health, one-on-one, um, primarily therapy and
1: trauma. And he wants a business degree, too, so he can do something like run a nonprofit or work at a consulting firm. But that business degree, it's been kind of a struggle because of all the math classes.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, <laughs> it was, it, math has been a challenge.
1: He says he never made it past pre-algebra in high school, And that lack of math prep has been dogging him all along. He failed multiple math classes in college. He's not even sure how many. But he just refused to quit. Even though there were plenty of moments along the way when he wasn't sure what he was doing or whether he belonged in college at all.
0: Some come for the
1: crowd. The team. The community. For the love of the game. This is a promotional video for Liberty University, Mario did eventually transfer to Liberty after he left Montgomery College.
0: We are here to help every student reach their goals by providing advanced learning, moving worship, competitive athletics, and an enriching social network.
1: What you see in this video are students laughing together, strolling across the lush green campus, going to football games. Mario's college experience at Liberty included none of this. He was working all the time.
0: So I I washed dishes During the weekdays and on weekends, I'd work on farms, digging holes, cutting trees, cutting grass.
1: He had to work. He didn't get enough financial aid to cover his tuition and living expenses. He says he was always stressed about money.
0: There were periods where
1: I'd make a decision between should I buy gas, buy food, pay my bill. His cell phone got cut off a bunch of times. He had debt collectors calling him. Sometimes he was at work till 1 in the morning, and then he had to wake up at 5 to do schoolwork. Now, your your classmates at um, Liberty or your friends there, were they working like that?
0: No, many of them were not.
1: <laughs> he says some of them had work-study jobs, but lots of them didn't have to work at all.
0: Which meant after class, they can go and take a nap, hang out, um, have fun, enjoy. I think that I what's portrayed of undergraduate degree is going and having the best years of your life and just being able to study, focus on studying and everything else that comes with it. Making friends and having fun.
1: So, and Did you get to do that?
0: I made a few friends, but um, it, was di- it, it was difficult to, to really have fun.
1: He says he hadn't really realized how poor he was until he went to Liberty, where he was exposed to a level of affluence he hadn't really known existed.
0: <laughs> it was mind-blowing. It's, it's, it was shocking. Uh,
1: what was shocking?
0: To see that people can have so much, I remember distinctly one person saying, I finally finished paying my car note, and now the, the vehicle is mine. But I hadn't seen them work, so I was thinking, how in the world did you pay your car note?
1: This student's parents paid off the car loan.
0: But they took possession of their parents' actions and attributed credit for their parents' effort and took ownership of it.
1: There were other examples.
0: Traveling during vacations or school breaks, there was a notion that breaks meant they deserved. they've worked hard enough to deserve a break.
1: His classmates would post pictures of themselves on the beach. But for Mario, school breaks meant a chance to come home and pick up some days working construction, which paid better than farm work and washing dishes. It wasn't just money he was exposed to at Liberty, it was privilege.
0: To see that people could think that that was what uh, a normal life was and have the expectation of what it will continue to be.
1: For all the affluence and privilege Mario observed around him at Liberty, the students there are not actually that wealthy compared to what you will find at many private colleges in America. The median family income at Liberty is about $75,000. At many of the nation's most selective private colleges, it's closer to $200,000 or more. At Montgomery College, it was not anything like that. Mario says it seemed like everyone was like him, working several jobs, struggling to make ends meet. So suddenly you went to this world where you didn't really fit in.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Did that ever make you feel like you didn't want to be there?
0: Um... I wanted to be there. I didn't. I didn't know so much if I felt that I belonged there, and um, I I do remember constantly telling myself I just have to work harder. Like this means I have to work harder. I, yeah.
1: Work harder at what?
0: At at life, not just at school. Um, that I had. I had to be successful. Successful at that time meant not struggling financially, being able to pay my bills and not have to worry about whether they're paid or not. So live comfortably.
1: Mario says when he first set out to get a college degree, he wasn't really thinking about making money. He just wanted a better life. But what he observed among his peers at Liberty is that money had not just afforded them cars and vacations, but entirely different life experiences. He told me what amazed him about his classmates at Liberty is they seemed to have an expectation that they belonged anywhere in the world they wanted to be. They exuded a kind of confidence and openness that startled him. He grew up the opposite, defensive and guarded. Mario wanted to figure out how to be more like them.
0: Going to Liberty, I I guess what I would call it, I was trying to learn more social skills, trying to figure out how people that didn't grow up in a rough neighborhood interacted with each other. And what I learned was that people are more open. They're more transparent. They're not afraid that somebody will come back and try to harm them. So it was um, people would just share things about themselves randomly. People would talk about their high school experience, their middle school experience, um, and they would share the ideas that they had in, in childhood.
1: Figuring out his own childhood ended up being one of Mario's main goals in college. It's why he took so many psychology classes.
0: Now I have a label or, or a concept or a theory to what we saw every day.
1: Sometimes what he was learning in class would trigger flashbacks and he would just sit there, the way you do in a scary movie, and remind himself that this was just a class. It would be over. He wasn't living that life anymore. And he says mostly it helped to learn about the ways that trauma and poverty affect children's development. Here's some of the stuff he learned.
0: For instance, uh, there are a lot of studies that show poverty also influences brain structure. Uh, gray matter in the brain, ability to think abstractly, children have higher cortisol levels, their amygdalas are flared up constantly, which shuts down the prefrontal cortex, which diminishes the ability to organize, structure, execute, planning.
1: It makes me happy to hear Mario talk about all the stuff he's learned in college. When I first met him, he was still struggling with some pretty basic academic skills. His emails to me were full of missing apostrophes, sentences that began without capital letters, misspelled words. His writing is so much better now. I told him that.
0: I hope so. I would hope so.
1: I think Mario even laughs more than he used to. Mario was at Liberty University for three years. He gained confidence in his academic abilities, but he says he lived in constant fear that he would run out of money, or that his family would need him to come back home. His mom was still cleaning houses. His youngest brother became a father at the age of 16, a little girl who Mario adores. If anything happened to them, if they needed money, Mario would have to quit school and help them out. But everything at home stayed okay, and in May of 2014, Mario graduated from Liberty University with a bachelor's degree in psychology. And also, a whole lot of student loans. I have a massive amount of debt. Do you have any idea, like, roughly how much debt? (laughs) Yes. You're willing to say?
0: No. Uh, It's it's a good deal. Um, But overall, how I comfort myself is, I've seen Spanish families that would take out a house loan, and once that loan is completed their income doesn't grow, whereas this is a loan, what people will call a return on investment.
1: In other words, he feels confident that his college degree will help him make money eventually. But after graduation, while his Liberty friends were beginning their careers and going off to grad school, Mario moved back home. He thought his mom could use some financial help. Plus, his older brother had just gotten out of prison. He'd been locked up for eight years. Mario knew his brother would need a lot of support, and he thought he could help him get back on track. So Mario went back to working in construction, because the money was good. He actually took a class at Montgomery College in construction management. Eventually, though, he got a job using his psychology degree. He was a family support worker for a community health center. Didn't pay as well as construction, but more in line with the career he wanted to build. Plus, he got health insurance and paid vacation and sick time, which he didn't get working construction. As a family support worker, Mario did home visits to new mothers, helping them understand the importance of talking a lot to their babies and promoting positive parent-child interactions. He wrote to me during this time saying he might be interested in trying to write a book about his life experiences. That's when I introduced him to my mom, because she's written a couple of books, and because she was a therapist. I thought she might be able to help Mario with some career advice. It was around this time that Mario also mentioned to me that he'd left his church. As I said earlier, his church was a huge part of his life when I first met him. But after graduating from college, he decided the church was too conservative for him. That's the word he used. The people who went to his church were mostly from rural villages in Central America. They had very traditional beliefs. And the church just didn't feel quite right to him anymore. I asked him about it in our interview.
0: So I, I stopped going to that church because I I think I wanted more exposure. I wanted to still grow in my faith. Um, so I want to say this carefully, as and I still respect the people there. I still have contact with people there. I um, visited other churches, and I was hoping to find people who have were both educated, successful, and still have, in other words, just looking for people who have had somewhat similar life experiences.
1: This is hard for him. He's saying he wanted to find a church where people were more like-minded, more educated. He says some of his ideas about God had changed. I asked him for an example.
0: I think this idea of provision that God provides, I think that's the primary example
1: like, what, what do you mean? As you, started, in, you
0: started to see it. What did you start to see differently? So what I saw differently, um, that people who grew up with parents who are educated or have money, if their car broke down, then they could pray about it and also reach out to a parent. And there were instances where some students would have a new vehicle within the next week or month. If my car broke down, it would. Mean that I didn't have a vehicle anymore, whether I prayed about it or not.
1: In other words, people with money don't need to pray to God for necessities. That insight made him think differently about what he wanted out of his own relationship with God.
0: Rather than looking for some kind of provision, looking for a blessing, it's more of understanding that uh, God isn't about so much the wealth, the success, the items. Those are just personal interests I have, but They don't really necessarily stem from a Christian point of view.
1: Mario still believes in God. In fact, he thinks he has a stronger relationship with God because he is no longer looking to God for material things. That's what his college degree is for. For Mario, the financial rewards of a college degree still feel far away. He started graduate school at the University of Maryland in the fall of 2016. He's still living at home with his mom, helping her out with the bills, even as he struggles to cover his own expenses. Mario was working two jobs, plus doing an internship and going to school. But it was too much. He barely slept. He says he was getting sick all the time. So he sold his car for some extra cash, and now he takes the bus and survives on the stipend he gets as a graduate assistant, which is less than $600 a month. This led us to the question of college and social class. Given all the ways that college has already changed his life and his beliefs and his peer group, I was curious about whether Mario thinks he's in a different social class now than he was 10 years ago when he started college. Do you feel like you're already in a different social class than you were?
0: Based on uh, current income, no. (laughs) I am way below the federal poverty guideline right
1: now. Okay, but still, are you in a different social class? Social?
0: I guess. I guess so. Yes. Um,
1: The idea of being in a different social class, it makes him a bit uncomfortable.
0: I cannot view a person that lives in, quote-unquote, lower social classes less because I have people like my mom in my life who still cleans houses, um... So when I am on campus and somebody's uh, cleaning the bathrooms, they're still a valuable person. Um, I can't, there's no way I can view them as less. So yeah, I I plan on, I intend to, and I'm working towards moving up social class. um, But I don't believe that people that are in lower social class are any less of a human being or any less valuable.
1: Are you you saying that in part because you get an impression that sort of more society-wide there is that problem? That as people move up social class, they look down on those, quote, below them?
0: Yes. It's like I think people in a higher social class may, for instance, find it offensive to do something tedious below their pay grade, like clean a bathroom. It'll be almost offensive. That's what they have their workers for.
1: Mario's kind of conflicted about the ways education has changed him. It's given him access to a world he didn't know existed. But it also means he doesn't quite belong anymore in the world he came from. For Mario, the most valuable thing about moving up the social class ladder in America is the safety that comes with it. He won't have to live in a dangerous neighborhood again. And if he has kids, they won't either. He's sure of that even if his various degrees don't mean he ends up making lots of money. When I asked Mario how he thinks the experience of higher education has changed him, he paused to think, something I really appreciate about him, how deliberate and contemplative he is. Um,
0: higher education um, is... It, that's a good question. How has it changed me? Um, right now, higher education still exposes me to what can be and gives me somewhat a sense of hope. I think I've held on to hope for a long time. So being in higher education helps me see that things are, are becoming possible.
1: And then I asked him what he thinks his life would be like now if he hadn't ended up in that writing class at Montgomery College 10 years ago. Like, if you hadn't gone to college, where do you think you'd be now at the age of 29? I, I, uh, I, um... I need, um...
0: Need a moment. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes, for that one, yes.
1: He collected himself. And then said this.
0: First, I think definitely, if I hadn't gone, um, I'd, I'd, pro- I'd most likely be in prison. Um, I'd be in prison, or I would have ended up handicapped, um, injured
1: you mean no. from, from from being shot or something. Yeah,
0: I think so. I think shot or stabbed. Um, I have friends who were shot and stabbed. So that wasn't something out of the norm. Um, so I think it would have only made sense that that would have happened to me. Now, if it also, if I hadn't gone to, to college and those extremes wouldn't have happened to me, then I think I would have been working construction. So I'd either be locked in a cell, injured, dead, or the only other thing that I knew at that time was working construction. So I'd probably be in the construction, working outside right now, in the construction industry. So, uh, college, although I don't think it's the only means to success, I view it as the method I've wanted to take that I want to sustain. I'm aware that there are people who can be successful outside of an education. I just want to have those degrees. It's like a personal self-fulfillment achievement thing that I want to have for myself.
1: And he believes that having those degrees might inspire other people in his family to give college a try. The person Mario's most focused on when it comes to college is his niece. She's five. Mario wants to make sure she has every opportunity he didn't have. For example, he tells me that when he was lost in a math class during graduate school on some stuff that everyone else seemed to understand, he remembers asking his classmates, did you learn this stuff in high school? One classmate told him, yeah, in middle school, at math camp. This student's parents had paid for him to go to a summer math camp. It was one of those mind-blowing moments for Mario when he realized what a divide there was between his life experience and the life experience of so many of his classmates.
0: I intend, I plan to work hard enough to be in a position where when my niece is in middle school, I would like to extend that opportunity to my niece so that if she decides to go for a quantitative degree in the future, it won't be as much of a crisis walking into a math class.
1: It's not just that Mario wants to have the money to be able to pay for math camp for his niece. It's that he now knows such things exist. He can tell her about them, guide her to opportunities he had no clue about when he was a kid. I asked Mario if he sees himself as someone who beat the odds.
0: (laughs) Um, I don't know. I, I think I'm more aware now. Than I was when I started,
1: and aware of what how unlikely it was that you would succeed.
0: Yes, I I I didn't realize that I was in. Uh, how do I put it? I I was in the perfect conditions to just live out a ton of statistics, and that would not lead to success. So I I think uh, a part of me is is aware that I've. I've gone against, against some odds, and I think that's why it's felt difficult, but I'm not done yet. I still view myself as, I guess, until I complete my graduate degree, then I've, I'm done with the odds.
1: Since we last talked, Mario has decided to drop the social work degree he was working on and focus just on his MBA. To pursue both degrees, he had to travel between two campuses. It was too much, especially without a car. And he came to the conclusion that with all the student debt he'll have, he probably won't be able to pursue a career in social work anyway. He's still not sure exactly what he wants to do. Maybe some kind of job promoting corporate social responsibility, or at least working for a company that gives him time to do volunteer work. He wants to find some way to help kids who grew up in communities like his. He wrote this to me in an email, if I land a job where I'm not exercising an opportunity to impact the community in some form, I'll find a way to tie it in. And someday, he says, he might like to go back to grad school and get a PhD. That's it for this episode. We're working on a documentary about college and social class. It will be airing on public radio stations across the country starting in August. And you'll get it here on the podcast, too. If you want to tell us your story of college and social class, we'd love to hear it. You can fill out a brief questionnaire at apmreports.org slash documentaries. If you want more people to hear this story or know about our podcast, one of the best things you can do is review it on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. That helps more people find their work. You can also spread the word on social media. or on Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is at Educate Podcast, one word. Educate is produced by Alex Baumhart and Chris Julin. Our editor is Catherine Winter. Our sound engineer for this episode was Corey Shrepel. Special thanks to Emerald O'Brien. Next time, we'll hear again from our partners at the Heckinger Report. When Education Secretary Betsy DeVos was appointed, she became the nation's most powerful advocate for school choice. That's a controversial idea that's been around for decades. The argument is that allowing parents to choose what school their kid goes to will increase competition and improve the quality of all schools. That got reporter Sarah Butramovich thinking, do other countries allow school choice? And how has it worked out for them? She went overseas to find out. There's actually a lot of countries across the world that have sort of more robust, large-scale choice systems than we do in the United States. And
0: they do it for many of the same reasons that... Uh, School choice advocates here
1: espouse when when they talk about what the potential benefits of increased choice would be. School choice around the world, coming up next time on the Educate podcast from APM Reports. Support for APM Reports comes from Lumina Foundation and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Emily Hanford. Thanks for listening. This is APM.